Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, we have a few things to talk about. First up, the WandaVision finale. Then, a snippet from my radio show where I talked about a popular Nicktoons spinoff. And finally, we have some fan fiction from an old friend of ours. But first, let's talk about that finale. There will be spoilers. That was perfect. This finale had to do a lot. It had to wrap up the show, put Wanda in the place where she'll be for Doctor Strange, where we already know that she'll be in the film, but also set up a few other storylines. Now, there may be some who are disappointed by how the finale treated some of the characters. Well, we did see a lot of Jimmy, Vision, and Wanda with Agatha, but Monica and Darcy were essentially limited to one or two scenes, with Darcy only getting one single moment and that's it, and then disappearing, while Monica didn't play that much of a major role until the end of the episode, but we'll get to that. Now, I will say this. I really liked how the show ended. There may be some disappointed by how certain things didn't happen. We finally got to see a Scarlet Witch costume in the MCU. Now, some might be disappointed by how it doesn't fully embrace the comic portrayal, such as the cape and the long hair. But the way they did it, it works for this portrayal of the character. And I really like that they finally embraced the costume after years of yes and no and complaints. And I really liked how Wanda solved the problem by essentially giving Agatha a taste of her own medicine. And I really liked how the story ended for Wanda in the show, because for Wanda, she was essentially struggling with the loss of vision, and her unintentional replacement just drastically had consequences for everyone else. Sure, she got vision in a family, but at the same time, also trapped an entire town and held them hostage, and she was completely unaware of it. It's really hard to call her the villain, because... A lot of it did feel like she was out of her control. She just wanted everything to be perfect like in her sitcoms. And we saw it in the last episode by how she just watched sitcoms nonstop. And in the process of bringing Vision back, she just imagined everything to be like her sitcoms. And they really show how, sure, the sitcom life is perfect, but real life isn't perfect. The sitcom, of course, was dropped in the last episode but it came back a bit within this episode, where essentially we saw Wanda's sitcom world slowly shrink. The story was over for her and Vision's merry life. Speaking of Vision, that was the other thing I really liked. When I first saw White Vision in last week's episode, I honestly thought that it would be a way to bring in someone from the MCU films. And the first thing that came to mind was Ultron, and I was just not excited for that. I'm just going to say this about Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron is an okay film. Of the four Avenger films, it's the weakest. Because it's not like the first one where it's the first time all these heroes are together. But it's also not like Infinity War and Endgame, which feature everybody. In Age of Ultron, it just serves to introduce two characters, but also set up all these other storylines. Whereas with Avengers, it was a culmination of those storylines. And then with Infinity War and Endgame... It was the resolution of those storylines. So Age of Ultron just felt somewhere stuck in the middle. But going back to Vision, I honestly thought they were going to bring in James Spader to essentially record a few lines as not Vision and all of a sudden reveal, surprise, it's Ultron back from the dead. 
Instead, what they did would essentially have the fake vision awaken the white vision's memories. Because, as it was revealed, that vision still remembered everything that happened from Age of Ultron all the way up to Thanos ripping out the stone. And that may or may not be resolved later on, especially in the Doctor Strange film, but we'll get to that. But I really like that story thread. It didn't resolve it, it didn't have White Vision all of a sudden show up at the end. It just let him go. Nobody is asking, where's Vision? He just leaves. And that was great. That was a great way to leave that. Don't resolve it, just leave it for later, and maybe down the line, it'll get resolved. It's a great mystery to leave the show on. Now I know people were disappointed that some things didn't happen. People wanted to see, oh, was Mephisto the whole time? Or have Doctor Strange show up? That didn't happen at all. And I actually think that was a good idea. Now some might say that Elizabeth Olsen and others lied about there being a Luke Skywalker moment. But technically it did happen. Though not in the way people were thinking it would happen. We got something in the way of, say, the ending of Spider-Man Far From Home. An agent comes to Monica, and it turns out it's no agent, it's a scroll. And that to me was a surprise. Where yeah, everyone's thinking about Doctor Strange, especially since that film is on the verge of wrapping up. But it also turns out it was a teaser of sorts for Captain Marvel 2. And it makes sense considering Monica will appear in Captain Marvel 2. In a way to essentially explain, did Captain Marvel try and find Monica? Does she know she was alive this whole time? That could be essentially resolved in Captain Marvel 2, who knows? Now as for Doctor Strange, the show left Wanda in what could possibly be the perfect place for her to get involved in the movie, since by this point, Wanda is essentially a wanted criminal. Sure, she resolved everything, but to everyone but Monica, she's just a crazy superhero who terrorized a city and got away with it. So that will be resolved, of course, in the upcoming Doctor Strange film, which may or may not be hinted in the upcoming Spider-Man film. As a reminder, Doctor Strange is showing up in the upcoming Spider-Man film. So WandaVision leaves the MCU on a good note. It proves that Marvel Studios can do a great job with TV shows. Now sure, some might say, why didn't they make this a movie? But making it a TV show was the better option, since you could have all of these sitcoms, but at the same time slowly deconstruct what is going on. Now some may be disappointed that the sitcoms that were being transmitted out to S.W.O.R.D. and the others were meaningless. Essentially, Wanda's power might have caused some kind of interference that led a TV, like an old analog television, to see her world as a sitcom. And some might have assumed, oh, it was Magneto, or Mephisto, or some other villain who hasn't appeared in the MCU yet. And looking back at it, it probably makes sense why they didn't show up in this TV show. After all, you should probably keep Magneto or some other major villain for the films, and use not lesser known villains, but already established characters for TV. Most people probably didn't even know who Agatha Harkness was. And putting her in WandaVision was frankly for the best. Now, while we wait for Disney and Marvel to decide when Black Widow will premiere, we have another Marvel show coming up, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But to conclude my review of this finale, it was great, it was awesome, and it sets up the MCU for the future. Not only with the Doctor Strange film, but also Captain Marvel 2, and maybe Spider-Man. We'll just have to wait and see what happens next in the MCU. WandaVision streams exclusively on Disney+.
now it's time for another short segment from my radio show. In October of 2019, I talked about a then-upcoming Nicktoon. Now I should note that the following was recorded off the mic, as opposed to my other recordings which were recorded directly from the radio feed, so it might sound a little weird. Also, at certain points, you might hear the occasional clicking of a pen, which I've done my best to cut out. Now, when it comes to new TV shows, there are a lot which may not stand out. When it comes to Nicktoons, on the other hand, they stand out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, recently Nickelodeon premiered a brand new Nicktoon on their network. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about this? Well, it is interesting to note the show stands out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it would be the Casa Grandes. I previously talked about it way back in the summer, but now it's time for me to bring it up again since it just premiered. For those of you who've never heard of it, the Casa Grandes is a spin-off of Nickelodeon's more recent popular Nicktoon, The Loud House. The thing that makes it stand out is the fact that it has a cast predom- of predominantly Hispanic Latin origin. Which is unique because for Nickelodeon, there's a rarity they have such a cast. Because while they do have several shows on the network which feature Hispanic characters or Latin characters, it is even rarer for them to have any shows with starring Hispanic characters or Latino characters. I can count them on only a handful of shows which have done that, such as Dora the Explorer, Go Digo Go, El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera, and Planet Sheen, all four of which starred Latino Hispanic characters. But other than that, there aren't that many Nicktoons. This one does stand out for a lot of reasons, because it features a returning character from the Loud House moving to a different location, and it has something impressive to note. Because normally, a spinoff would imply something different, such as, oh, like, you'll follow the main character. Nope. Instead, this is a supporting character who originally started off as a bully on the other show, so that's even more surprising. Like, you don't expect the bully to get her, uh, get her own TV show. But in this case, it does happen. For those of you who don't know what the, what the show is about, it centers around the character of Ronnie Ann Santiago, a character who, in the Loud House, was first presented as a bully, then later revealed to be the sister of another character, who also happens to be dating the main th- th- that show's main character's sister. And, for the most part, she slowly developed into from being just a bully to just a friend to just being, well, a normal person. And on that show, the, char- the character and her, and her family moved over to live with her relatives, which is the premise for this show. It's about a combined family of relatives living together in the big city. You might think with that kind of premise, it might not be good, but it's surprising it is. And it even has a, a good cast. There are a lot of recognizable voice actors in this series, and some of which normally don't do animation. Like, probably the most notable of these actors are Eugenio Derbesque and John and Melissa Joan Hart, who all play supporting characters. And there are several from returning from the original show, and for the most part, some of them are even recognizable from other productions. Like, the one I just realized that I didn't even know was in this show until now was Alexa Penabega. If you've never heard of Alexa Penabega, she's also known as Carmen from the Spy Kids films. Which to me caught me by surprise, because I, I didn't know that she was in the voice acting now. And there's a lot of other stars here, but those are some of the more recognizable ones. The show's main lead is a, is a relatively up-and-coming actor called is, named Isabella Alvarez, who's only appeared most notably on Westworld. Yeah, it's weird. According to the credits here, she appeared in like seven episodes of Westworld, with her only other notable appearances being on the show Walk the Prank and Splitting Up Together. 
I heard people criticize this show for a lot of reasons, saying that, oh, this is just the Loud House only Hispanic, or this is the Cleveland show of the Loud House, which is really an unfair comparison. Now, for those who haven't seen or heard of The Cleveland Show, The Cleveland Show was a spinoff of Family Guy, which followed supporting character Cleveland Brown moving back to his hometown and having a family. And many people accuse that show of just being a, a black family guy, which is unfair to that show even as well. Just because it features a character moving from one location to another and having almost the exact same adventures does not mean it's the, sa the same show. Same thing with the Casa Grandes. There is a major difference between the Casa Grande and the Loud House. Whereas the Loud House centers around an extreme nuclear family of one boy, ten girls, all living in the same house, the Casa Grande centers around a combined family. And there's a lot of things to consider about that. So, does it make it a unique show? Yes, it's a great show. It gives, a, it gives something for Hispanic Latino viewers to watch and say, oh, that's me on TV. It's something. And that to me is great. Also because the other thing that's on TV that could probably be that is a reruns of George Lopez. And let's just say some of those shows are not that funny. Like, I like George Lopez, but some of them aren't that funny. So that, I'll just say this. The Casa Grande is a great new Nicktoon from Nickelodeon. It has a great cast, a lot of great writers working on it, and there are some really funny episodes. Since then, the Casa Grande has been renewed all the way up to a third season. Season 2 is currently airing weekdays on Nickelodeon. In certain regions, it can also be streamed on the new Paramount Plus, formerly known as CBS All Access. And finally, we take a look back at a certain fanfic writer. A while back, I talked about Garfield Royal Rescue and how bizarre that story was between Garfield pursuing Kate Middleton and Prince William all of a sudden having the ability to unleash a Big Ben laser. The crazy thing was that Shakespeare Hemingway, the guy who wrote that, made a sequel and it's somehow even crazier. The synopsis best describes it. Prince Harry is consumed with madness of revenge and Garfield must save the day again. The crazy thing about Shakespeare Hemingway is how he makes Garfield into basically Rambo with a hint of Chuck Norris. And it just makes you wonder, is he obsessed with Garfield? Is he obsessed with 80s characters? Did he just decide to put them together and thinking they make the perfect character? It's kind of a mystery. But here's another great example from Garfield Prince of Tragedy Royal Rescue Part 2. Garfield then fell down deep into slumber. In his dreams, he had nightmares of beautiful babes being kidnapped if he could not save them. As he woke, he found himself chained to stone. He was at Stonehenge, chained to stone. The chains were made of adamantium and magic, and there, enough chains to hold 40 speeding trains and 80 rampaging elephants. Surrounding Garfield were wicked druids. Drumbees were being played, and in the distance he saw Prince Harry and Chariot of Bones and Blood being pulled by flaming hell steeds. Garfield, at last on this hour I have trapped you, and soon you will be meeting vengeance, said Prince Harry with smugness. And soon you will be meeting your brother in hell, courtesy of my hands of manly virtue, Garfield said with defiance. Fool! You will be begging mercy on knees of begging when I'm done with you. Whip him! 
yelled Prince Harry with anger. At Prince Harry's commands, Druid Whipmaster whipped Garfield with whip. But Garfield did not flinch, but spat in his face. Pain is my pleasure, you womanly fiend. My spirit will never break to you, roared Garfield with manly resistance. We will be singing about this. You cannot last forever as hours go on. Your words of impudence will turn to tears of sorrow, said Prince Harry with dark heart as the order continued whipping. <laughs> hours and days went by with whipping, but Garfield did not show sign of fatigue or tiredness. His face full of masculine stoicism, he showed no pain. Impossible! No man can take such abuse! Cried out Prince Harry in disbelief. Beanie whiffs make no dents in my body of iron, Garfield said with cool confidence. Very well, it is about time to be ending this show with encore. The grand finale is your death. Prepare the lubber! Ordered Prince Harry to his druids. Druids brought out a large pot of lava, with skulls being poured on Garfield, but suddenly, familiar voice was heard by all. Amaku! It was John Arbuckle on the hillside, with hair blowing in the wind and sun blazing behind him. John Arbuckle took out his flaming lasagna electronic guitar and started playing chords of power. The rocket metal began giving power to Garfield muscles, recharging them with rock. The power of metal ran through Garfield's massive muscles, and he broke free of chains with ease. What? cried out Prince Harry with shrieking terror. The metal of your chains is no match for the metal in my veins, Garfield said with rock and roll. I'll just leave it at that and point out that was one of the tamer parts of this story. Now this isn't the weirdest story by Shakespeare Hemingway. If you want a good example, look up his Joker fanfic, which has absolutely nothing to do with Joker and is more of a take that at both Joaquin Phoenix and Jimmy Kimmel. For some reason. If there's one thing to say about these stories, is that the writer is obsessed with Garfield to the point of basically making him a furry Chuck Norris. Prince of Tragedy is a weird story, and there are definitely a lot of bizarre moments, some of which are just insane reading, and I honestly couldn't get through the story. And in fact, when I tried reading another segment, it was honestly a bit ridiculous to try and read. But now that I've touched this truth, I must die in flames of glory! <laughs> to the point where I have to find a less insane part of the story to highlight. It is worth checking out if you enjoyed the original Royal Rescue, or just want to see a bizarre crossover fanfic where Garfield the Cat is basically turned into a furry Chuck Norris and fights Prince Harry. Garfield Prince of Tragedy Royal Rescue Part 2 by Shakespeare Hemingway is available to read on fanfiction.net. Next week on the Pop Culture Shuffle, I talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Marvel Studios' second TV show on Disney+. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. 
You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening.